Dude, ASMR freaks me out. Um, I'm not afraid to say it. I don't really know anything about it, so apologies to people who are into it. But um, there was okay. Let me tell you a story, Matt. This is uh, maybe this is this is a pretty weird story that really freaked me out personally. But uh, one time I was at work, you know, as as one does, and uh, there's these big TVs that we use at work to like visualize uh, all sorts of like stats for like metrics for our projects. And they coincidentally also have uh, Chromecasts attached to them. And one time while I was working, all of a sudden, someone accidentally Chromecasted a video to the this giant, like, 50, 60-inch uh, LED TV, um, like, right in the middle of our workplace, you know, in front of about 100 people, and uh, started playing a, it was called, like, Game Shop Girl ASMR. And it was... Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no. It was a video of this like girl with like a pixie cut like tapping on uh like the camera was right in her face and she was holding up like video game cases and like tapping on them and going So uh you want to buy a used copy of Crisis 3? That's uh 24.99. Um if you are interested in first person shooters, uh the BioShock franchise is uh, extremely good. <laughs> And uh, that went on for maybe like a solid 30 seconds. And I was sitting there. I was like the first person to notice it. And I was like the first, I was sitting there just freaking out. I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's personally ever happened to me in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And I told everyone, uh, I was like, guys, do you see the shit? Do you see what's happening on the screen right now? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then I guess the person who did it realized and it left the screen they stopped casting yeah, and it. resigned <laughs> they were uh, dishonorably discharged from oh my uh, from my company that, oh. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me you still rhythm about that oh yeah i, I have no idea who it was okay, it didn't good. say who was casting it or i didn't notice oh you gotta oh, dude i wish you knew you gotta walk and be like hey um <laughs> i don't know if you're interested but i have a used copy of splatoon <laughs> theme song This is the Motion Pixels Podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. August, say hello. Dzień dobry. Matthew uh, is my co-host. Uh, Matthew Rowling, say hello. Uh, hello? Oh, <laughs> was, uh, this, is a, this is, uh, you know, we're trying, to, now that we're reaching a global audience, I was trying to make this more accessible for our Polish listeners. So, dzień uh, dobry is a uh, good day in uh in polish so you know if you want to hit them with a with a gin dobre if you want to hit hit them with a uh dobre vietor that's like a good evening you you know you know, be my guest matt if you want to uh welcome our polish guests uh g- no okay uh well uh <laughs> this is the motion pixels podcast and uh this week this week we've made the um I'll say it. I'll say it. The brave decision to not talk about Animal Crossing. I know. Yeah, yeah yes. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, I know. Uh I was just as hurt as all of you. Um I was like, Matt, I wanna talk about uh Animal Crossing and he was like, No. And I was, <laughs> was I was like, no. rightfully pissed, so 
um, you know, we've, we've resolved our creative differences. That happens a lot on the show because there's just a whole lot of artists. You know, when you get two brilliant artists together like us, you know, we have a lot of disagreements and <laughs> uh, that's just something we deal with. But, you know, we've come to the conclusion that we really can get along. So, uh, yeah, we've, we're here and we're not going to talk about Animal Crossing anymore. And personally, I think that's fine. So, yeah, we may take a talk about Animal Crossing next week. Um, I may keep talking about why we're not talking about Animal Crossing for the next 10, 20 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> Always a reference. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we have been playing a whole bunch of a new game, uh, Valorant. No, I'm just kidding. We talked about Valorant before. We probably won't talk too much about it this week. But we have been playing uh, Team Fight Tactics. It's an automatic chess game. Uh, by Riot Games, uh, this indie studio from uh, the Netherlands or something. I'm not sure. They uh, <laughs> uh, have been putting out some pretty cool content uh, lately. And for some reason, I decided to install Teamfight Tactics. And uh, I guess it was already installed because I had League, but I decided to play it. And uh, Matt and a bunch of the other people that we play games with uh, had also been playing it recently. And... Uh, I want to talk about it because it seems pretty cool. And uh, this is my first week playing it. And um, I like it so far. Yeah. What made you want to just start playing it kind of like, like what, what came up? It's not like a, like a new set came out like a while ago, but it wasn't that that brought you in. What made you gravitate towards starting it now? Matt, I'm glad you uh, asked because you'll find out that and more um, later in this podcast. Later. <laughs> <laughs> We'll also be talking about uh, a movie that we both watched. I know, I know. This is a movie and video game podcast, which I frequently forget. But we will be talking about uh, this really, really uh, pleasantly, surprisingly good Netflix movie uh, called The Half of It, uh, which we both watched. And uh, uh, I have some interesting thoughts about it, I think. Uh, or at least I thought it was interesting and I have thoughts about it. Um, and, uh, from there we'll see where the pod takes us. Cause Matt also saw the sequel to 1916, uh, <laughs> 1917 and, uh, yeah, totally behind the, uh, behind the times there, Matthew. Well, I was giving it, you know, some space that way, uh, when we come to it, uh, if we come to it today, we can, you know, maybe get into a little spoiler zone. So if anything, we'll keep it towards the end, but. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Yeah, I saw Dane had a funny tweet that I think was a joke he told in like the Discord, but uh, I didn't understand the joke at all when he first said it. But it made a lot more sense when I saw it on Twitter. It was oh, like, you did. <laughs> it was like, do I have to watch the first? What was it? It was like, do I have to watch the first sixteen nineteens to enjoy nineteen seventeen? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, he said that in the Discord, and I was like, uh, what? And then we just moved on. <laughs> but then when I saw it on Twitter, I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, like, he could really watch 1916 because that's like the start of the um, the the back-to-back World War Champ saga. <laughs> um, but, you know, jumping in at 1917 is pretty good. It, it more focuses on, uh, you know, just the British side and more of like a one-off kind of film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it, that's It's cool. kind of like watching like the Black Widow of uh, the MCU movies. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's that's very cool. So, um, yeah, as a huge MCU fan, um, I'm offended you would say that because now I'm just sad that uh, we we gotta wait like freaking like six months or something for uh, Black Widow to come out. I think they pushed it back to like November 
Yeah, I mean, until people go to theaters, so. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that makes me sad. But this is a podcast where we're all about A, chill vibes, B, good vibes, C, chilling with your buds, and buds who chill to good and chill vibes. Don't talk about sad things like movie theaters, maybe, you know, never coming back in the form that we knew them as uh, before this global pandemic. So, uh, yeah, Matt, you know, why don't we flip things up a little bit? What did you think of the half of it? I uh, I came about this movie, I uh, was told about this movie uh, when I was having a movie night with uh, some of my friends. We were uh, watching movies together uh, remotely, and uh, she proposed it, and I had never heard of it before, although I think I saw some buzz about it on Twitter. But uh, from what I saw about it, I thought it was just like a dumb, like teen romance kind of movie and uh, didn't think much of it. Uh, And then I watched the trailer and I would advise people not to watch the trailer because it basically goes over the entire story. It's awful. Yeah. Oh, and it's just bad. It makes you not want to watch it. Um, But I, (laughs) I have a soft spot for, you know, like teen romance movies. So I decided, you know, I voted for that as the movie we're going to watch. And we watched it and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a movie that had a lot of substance. What did you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Uh, It had a lot of charm, um, but I don't know. And then the charm like really carried it. But I think like it came out in May 1st, right? So like... Yeah, it came out very like recently. A little over a week ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a reason why it's not one of the, you know, like Netflix has that feature now where you can see what's like the top 10 mm-hmm. in your, or that's playing. Um, I think there's a reason it's not on there. It was actually kind of hard to find. I was surprised that it was so recent and yet not up there, but I, I kind of get it. Like it, it was fun. I liked it, but it wasn't anything that's like, it was like a movie that I would watch once and then. I'll probably never watch again or come back to a lot. Sure. Not that like, you know, there's anything wrong with a movie like that. It was an enjoyable hour and a half. Um, But I definitely did have some gripes with it. Like I thought there was a lot of charm, but it kind of felt like towards the end, there's just one pivot point where I felt like a lot of stuff felt really forced (laughs) or like they rewrote the script at parts um, to make things happen. It was just kind of odd, but yeah let's take a step back this movie so this is a movie about uh this girl who's like a first generation kid from china living in a small town in the pacific northwest and she has lived there her whole life basically and she lives with her single father who uh single after her mom died and her they like live in like a train station and her dad is like the manager of this real like sleepy train station in this small town and she has this like business in high school of writing people's papers for them and uh she's just like the nerd who no one pays attention to um until this guy approaches her with a deal to start writing love letters to this girl that he has a crush on and um she agrees and starts writing love letters to this girl and let's just say a love triangle of sorts uh you know conspires um and the trailer for the movie basically uh lays all of that out um uh, a little too much i would say but that's the that's the gist of the movie um but what i thought was cool about it was it goes into 
It has a whole bunch of themes that I wasn't expecting this kind of movie to dig into. I feel like this movie could have uh, kind of copped out and uh, just kind of rested on the laurels of a cute teen rom-com that probably would have got some eyeballs on it because people like that kind of thing, you know, especially of a certain demographic, like, you know, younger people like that kind of thing, I would say. That's just like one of those evergreen genres of movies, the teen rom-com with the, you know, cute boy and girl stars. Um, But this movie has cool themes about uh, like being an immigrant, um, like being uh, queer in uh, a small town. Um, The implications of that around like a bunch of religious people and people who feel pressured to be um, a part of a religious community. And I just thought the movie didn't like hit me over the head with these themes in a, in a cool way where like the ending is pretty open-ended and the um, there's just a lot of cool subtleties where it touches on these themes without beating you over the head and, you know, being kind of thoughtful about it. Um, so that, that that's why I thought the movie was cool and why I recommended it to Matt. Yeah. And like, it's actually one of the things I like, like how it did it the most. Um, like, I wouldn't even say it touched on, like, this sounds weird, but I wouldn't even say it touched on the theme of being queer in a small town with a bunch of religious people because it it never really addressed it in a weird way. Like, when uh, when someone, you know, would find out that she's a, you know, you know lesbian, um, no one cared i don't even think they ever used that word in the whole movie they it was never beaten over the head that Mm -hmm. like she is gay you know and i thought that was really cool it was like because sometimes when there's movies that come out that you feel like they're kind of pandering towards that audience and this one i just felt like it's like this is the plot of the movie and she yeah she's yeah she's gay (laughs) there's it wasn't like a big hubbub and I thought that was really cool. Like it just felt very natural and and everybody was just kind of like on board with it. And I thought that was really cool. Like I thought they did it really well. Like I, I cause you can, you can t- make a movie like that and make that a big um, central thing, like people's reactions to her being that way. But it, there really wasn't. And I thought that was really neat. There were some, I mean, there a part of the, in the like the second or third act of the movie. Um, there's some characters who find out about her being gay and um, like come at it, come at her from a religious perspective of why she shouldn't be. But um, it's not Are like really? a really what I don't remember that. Yeah, there's a part. There's a part where okay, this is really not spoiling all that much because honestly, it's in the trailer for the movie. But there's a part where the guy who has commissioned her to write these love letters falls for her, and she turns him away, basically uh, saying that she's gay or implying that she's gay. And he's like, he backs away and he's like, oh, that's, that's a sin. You're going to hell. And then he quickly kind of comes to his senses um, and, you know, thinks that, you know, this is a very cool girl and maybe he's um, being a huge idiot about what he said. But um, yeah, it doesn't beat you over the head with it. Um, but what, what was cool. Yeah, is that, that, and that's what I'm saying. It's not like a huge deal, right? Yeah. The movie does a really cool job of... Uh, making these characters feel very realistic and like living in this, in this space, like 
it gives them room to breathe and doesn't doesn't treat the audience as someone who like maybe can't accept these concepts or these concepts are going to blow them away um, or, and they're not used to them. So they really need to drill them home. It just kind of treats these, these characters in the movie as real people and has a, a pretty open-ended nature to a lot of the things um, that the movie goes for. And um, like, for instance, there's uh, a, a girl that uh, the, the protagonist kind of professes her, uh, her love for. Um, towards the end of the movie and the what i thought was cool is that just the girl who she does that with just kind of isn't ready for that and because she hadn't explored that part of herself before but the movie is left open to kind of imply that with personal growth like maybe these characters can later develop a relationship or maybe later find out more about themselves. And I thought that was just a cool way to tie into being a teen movie about like people still figuring themselves out. It was like the movie didn't try to explain that there is a right way of um, figuring out yourself. And what the message of the movie to me was like, everyone is still figuring themselves out. Everyone makes dumb mistakes and, you know, life goes on. And I, I just thought, I thought that was a cool part about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was it was enjoyable. Um I think we kind of spoiled <laughs> parts of it while we've been talking about it. That's I don't, kind of unfortunate, but uh, I think it's I mean, like I said, a lot of this stuff is really in the trailer. Um the trailer is uh extremely spoiler heavy. Okay, yeah. Our yeah, our guideline will just be follow what the trailer shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, this movie is definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Um, and I was looking into the uh, uh, background of the director, and this is directed by, I think the director's name is Alice Wu, and she was a, I think, software engineer at Microsoft for for most of her career. And then uh, she directed a movie in like 2004, and then uh, this is her first movie since then. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. just So it seems like kind of a movie that came out of nowhere, and... Uh, I was uh, really surprised by it. I also like it because it like the two places that are really named in the movie are the two places I've lived, <laughs> you know, like it takes, I mean, I haven't lived in a small town in Washington, but it it's a fictional town in Washington, which is cool. Like Squamish Washington. Kind, yeah. Like fictional place, but I, I know what that's kind of based off of. So that was neat to see. And then, uh, that the, one of the other girls is from Sacramento. And oh, she, yeah. Yeah, the, the line where she's like, yeah, th- this place is so different because Sac- where I'm from, Sacramento, everything's dead in the summer and everything starts growing in the winter. And I was like, ah, oh, too true. <laughs> too true. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this movie but, yeah, might not cool. have been pandering to, um, you know, the minorities that it uh, goes into the backgrounds of, but it was pandering to people who have lived both in Sacramento, California and the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, this is another movie in the Sacramento Cinematic Universe because they'll take whatever they can get. <laughs> you know, fronted, of course, by Lady Bird and uh, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, which was filmed in in Sacramento. And, uh, and even Stevens. And what? Even Stevens. <laughs> and even, yeah, actually, I would say, yeah, fronted by even Stevens. Even mm-hmm. Stevens kind of walked so Lady Bird could fly, I would exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> 
yeah but uh yeah check out this movie um i you know i matt you were saying that you know it's unfortunate that we kind of spoiled it but i i think like a the trailer spoils anything that i talked about and b what i think this movie does really well is it has uses a lot of nuance and open-endedness in its storytelling um where it like makes you come to some some conclusions and you know doesn't treat you like an idiot so i think you know though we touched on these like story beats in the movie um like the magic of the movie like you were saying like is its charm and yeah the interactions like that happen and you know there's not a whole lot of i don't know it's not like a it's not a movie that i feel like the individual plot points are more important than like the journey to get there because it is like a i forget the the term for it but there's a there's a genre of movie that's like the, the coming of age story and really it's that like the the movie is about the the character development along the way not just the fact that you know you know what, what's cool about the movie is like i thought it was going to be a movie where the whole point was like who's she gonna kiss is it gonna be is she gonna kiss the boy or is she gonna kiss the girl Ooh boy but the the cool part about the movie is that it kind of like just makes you think about you know how people how people grow up and especially people from different backgrounds um especially like first generation immigrant backgrounds um it's cool mm-hmm. it's cool oh uh on this movie i wanted to pivot to a point we made two weeks ago when we were talking about onward mm-hmm this is a movie where the character not having any friends affected who they were. And I just want to point <laughs> that out because this is like the movie that does it right. Like the main character in this movie should have had, has the personality that the main character of Onward should have had. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. you know, I, I really liked Onward, but I know a complaint you had was that like the main character, Tom Holland's character is this like, kind of portrays himself as this like shy uncomfortable nerd who doesn't have any friends but he seems like he functions perfectly well in social situations whereas the character in the main character in this movie ellie chu she like goes to her first party gets way too drunk and someone comes up to her and is like oh my gosh i love your nails and she's like haha yeah i couldn't get the tuba grease out of them so haha and it's like oh you are awkward you have never talked to people before (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and even even when she's not drunk, like there's she's just very hostile to people because uh, she's not used to being approached or talked to or being accepted. And it's it's like, yeah, okay, so this your background is influencing influencing your character. And I was like, that that's cool. Like it's doing it right. So I I just yeah. I, I thought of that while I was watching it. I was like, I'm gonna bring this up because illustrates my issue. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know you're, you know, you're semi-memeing right now, but that is like, that does speak to a cool part about the movie is that like the characters feel really deeply written and like written from a place of, I don't know, the back, the background of the, of the director, but it seems like this is like these characters are written from a really real place. And like, you really feel like this is like the Ellie Chu, the main character of the movie, she has had to take on a lot of responsibility because her dad like barely speaks uh barely speaks english um has had a really hard time like came from china with a phd and uh, because no one could understand his accent in the united states um has kind of been uh demoted to just like this like dead-end job at a train station so she has to like handle paying the bills um, like talking, talking with people for her dad. I mean, doing like a lot of grown up things that color the way she talks with like kids her age who, you know, 
don't have the maturity that comes with uh, what she's had to go through. But conversely, she hasn't had the opportunities to socialize and, you know, have romantic relationships. So like she's figuring out things that people haven't figured out yet. While conversely, she has figured out uh, or she is still learning other things. It's uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a, a very believable world they made. And I like that. Yeah, and I was actually surprised that you enjoyed it because you, when I when I recommended the movie to you and showed you the trailer, you were like, "Yeah, it doesn't seem up my alley. I don't really like romance." But yeah, it's just it's not a cheap movie, you know. It's not a it doesn't doesn't phone it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah. Speaking of coming of age stories, Matthew, I this week have felt like I have come of age in the sense that I. You know, I know how bad I am at team fight tactics. <laughs> uh, it's you know, it doesn't seem like a terribly difficult game, which I uh, I like about it. Like it seems like less interactive than a game like Hearthstone, where you can get by similar to Hearthstone um, and other other trading card games. You can get by um, by using a like deck or composition, a team composition in Teamfight Tactics case, um, that's kind of decided upon in the meta. And there's some decisions you have to make, um, you know, at runtime uh, when you're playing the game. But a lot of there's a lot of guardrails um, that the game gives you. And even with those guardrails, I am still quite bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. do you want to give some background <laughs> on Teamfight Tactics? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, it's an auto chess. Uh, I think it came out... I, I, I forgot what came out first. It or Underlords, but it was around the same time. They're both just uh, were capitalizing on the craze that was last year when the auto chess mod for Dota 2 came out. And if you don't know what an auto chess is for some reason, um, it's basically like a, a side game mode in these games where you it's the units from the MOBA. So if you played Dota or League of Legends, you'll know the characters in these games. Um, and they're all given certain, basically like classes and um, professions, if you want to think of them that way. Like a, like one unit will be a warrior, um, a, an elemental warrior, right? Like something like that. Um, and like like be a magic. bunch of... Yeah, yeah, like like that. Um, and the game consists of you start off picking a couple. You'll get offered a couple at a time, and you pick one. And you want to, as the game goes on, you can pick more and more. And you want to pick uh, other ones that are going to complement each other with similar types of uh, like classes and professions. Um, that way, they uh, you can build a comp uh, that is kind of focused around one of these things because they'll all have different abilities per unit, but having a bunch of a certain kind makes them all stronger together. Um, and that's kind of basically how these auto chess games go on. Like you position them on a board uh, after you pick, uh, there's usually a timer that counts down and then you'll get paired against another person out of uh, an eight people. Uh, it's an eight people, eight person game, including yourself You'll get paired against one of them. You see whose board is better, and then you rinse and repeat until uh, you run out of life, or you know everybody else dies and you're the last one left. So uh, it's pretty complicated. <laughs> like tr- picking up auto chess isn't something easy. Um, see, I mean, like, I, you kinda- yes, it's 
yes, it's complicated, but I think the uh, barrier to entry is pretty low because if you've played, if you played Underlords, for instance, like like I have, then you kind of know how this stuff works. If you played Auto Chess, which is the popular mod that's kind of spawned all of this, you kind of yeah, know that, how it works. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Auto Chess, Auto Chess in general has like a very high. It's very it's very complex and it's very hard to get into unless you have somebody that's gonna explain it to you. Like I tried playing the original mod when it was huge, and I played one game and I didn't get it and I dropped out. And then when TFT came out for the first time, I had a couple friends that were into it and helped explain it to me, and then I was able to pick it up. But like going in with no background, it's it's pretty difficult. But like you're saying, like you played Underlords before, um, it makes it easier because you get the general you know gameplay loop, right? Yeah, but also like this is a game that you know you can rely on you know guides online to show you how to get started really fast. Like as soon as you know how to as soon as you know that there is a board where you place characters on, like there is there are guides that tell you what to do every single turn. There are guides that say, you know, who to pick, where to put them. So you're not going to do great. Like I haven't been doing great as I as I've started, but um like it's accessible it's accessible in the sense that there are tons of resources that explain you know the fairly simple mechanics that you know really snowball as you get higher into the complexities and i feel the same way about league of legends which is also made by uh, riot games like i remember my first few rounds of league of legends i actually had a, had fun whereas my first few rounds of dota i had a horrible time um and it took me like 50 hours to like maybe have one round that i had fun with like i haven't felt like that with tft like i feel like i can have fun and like get some cool synergies going pretty quickly with without having uh, invested a ton into the game okay so how do you how does it compare to underlords i haven't actually played underlords well it's super similar um one thing that i don't like uh i guess i should say i shouldn't say i don't like it one thing i'm still not used to in uh uh TFT, Teamfight Tactics, is that uh, the board is uh, hexagonal, hexagonal, whereas the board in Underlords is more just like a chessboard, you know, just a, just a grid. So uh, I still am getting used to placing your placing my pieces on my side of the board um, because it just functions differently. You know, different there's different shaped spots that you put stuff on in TFT than Underlords, but I mean, really, it's it's the same kind of thing. Uh, Underlords, I kind of fell off of Underlords shortly. Uh, shortly after it kind of got going, um, I played right when it launched. And as soon as they started adding things, they added things like, uh, honestly kind of reminded me of plants versus zombies with like, <clears throat> like barriers you could, you could put on the field, like these shields really? that people would have to break through. Yeah. It got, it kind of muddied the waters for me, but I mean, really it's, it's very, very similar. Um, like they, they, they have the titular underlord who is the, um, more of it's like your player character and it's more of a um more like your class in hearthstone than the player character little guy your little legend in tft is um and you have you have a couple abilities that you can use during the match like you can like toss fireballs or something like that if you're the like goblin looking fire guy um when i was playing there was only two options for these classes that you could play they probably added more sense but it's different in that sense um and that wasn't something that i felt was like integral to the gameplay loop um 
but I also don't remember there being any items in uh, in Underlords. I could be wrong about that. So that's a layer of complexity that TFT adds is the the item system. You can stack items on uh, on your units and combine items to uh, create more powerful items that you know have are better with some units than others. And that's where these guides come in handy for me because you know I have no idea what the hell any of these dumb items are i don't even play league really so i don't you know i don't have any familiarity with the units or the items so um i felt i found the guides for um tft and like them the 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 meta write-ups really helpful um with that but yeah i mean in terms of uh similarities to underlords like it's the same kind of thing like every round you buy uh characters to build your build your comp and build synergies like same kind of deal yeah I so I while I haven't played it, I've been kind of keeping up with what they've been doing, at least like the theme of Underlords, and I think I like where TFT is going more. Like Underlords, I think this newest update they launched it was something like they added missions where you would progress through certain things, and uh, you know I can't remember, so I'm not going to say the wrong thing, but. The thing I like about TFT over Underlords is TFT doesn't really have like a central theme that they have to stick to. Where like Underlords, like you're saying, like your main character is like the Underlord, right? And the whole setting of Underlords is like you're a bunch of like mob bosses recruiting units to fight against each other, right? Like yeah. isn't that kind of the general theme? Yeah, and I feel like Valve kind of <laughs> kind of messed up with that one because. What's been cool about TFT so far is the past couple uh the the past there's been three sets so far and they've all been like way different from each other. Like well, I, the first two were more kind of similar. Like the first set was very basic. Um the second set they added these like elemental touches to units so there were like ocean and light and darkness and all these things. And then this one they went kind of crazy and this entire third set is galaxy themed so there's like characters that are like sailor moon and there's characters that look like they're from star wars and all sorts of crazy things and like that's when that's what's been so neat about it is when like tft's update cycle right now is they'll run a set for like three or four months and then they'll launch a new one where all the units are redone all the themes are different so it's a fresh new experience to get people to come back in and i don't I don't think Underlords has done anything quite like that. And I think that's kind of why, like, like TFT's kind of won this auto chess war that was going on for a bit. Like, I feel like, at least by Twitch numbers, um, TFT's on top. I, I don't know if there's a good way to track active players, but I think last time I checked, like, Dota Underlords only has, like, a couple thousand, maybe, like, 8,000 or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so... And that I think that I, yeah I'm not sure that's uh, I look that up right now. I I just I feel like it when when I looked at it it was way lower than I would think and I but I feel like you know everyone one the auto chess auto chess fad has kind of ended um so it's not as huge and then two I think from what I've heard TFT like you're saying is just more accessible in a way so no you're actually you're actually yeah. uh, you're actually right uh, this in the last thirty days. Dota Underlords has had uh, about eighty five hundred average players. I don't know if that counts mobile too, but you know it's it should because that. that uses Steam also. Oh, so interesting. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think TFT won. 
uh, it's hard to track considering TFT is a game mode in League of Legends, whereas Dota Underlords is a standalone client. And I also don't know if Riot releases uh, player numbers for any of them. But like, if you go on Twitch, TFT is almost always near the top. And I know that's a bad indicator for player base, um, but it kind of measures relevancy in a way. So I think that's important. Yeah, and just Riot has some sort of secret sauce to keep uh, to keep engagement. Like it does, it does have that like addicting uh, nature that I I didn't feel quite that pull with Underlords, uh, and I played Underlords quite a bit more than I played Tactics TFT, um, which I've only played this week so far. But um, yeah, it, it, I, I I liked Underlords because it came out on mobile first, and I I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a good game too play um on my commutes uh it was a it was a game that i could play a match you know in like 20 30 minutes and my commute was like 40 minutes so you know perfect game to play on the train to pass the time um but with tft you know it's i i it is available on mobile i haven't played it on mobile but it has that you know one more round kind of uh uh like thing about it like actually we're recording this podcast kind of later because I wanted to play a round of uh, TFT before. And I would have played another one if I didn't have to wake up for work in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It keeps you like when it first came out, I was like, all I played for, I don't know, like maybe three weeks. It was just nonstop TFT, like right after work playing it till, you know, way too late, maybe like one or two in the morning and then rinse and repeating. It, it's really good. It really hooks you. Um, like Blitzcrank. I, like Blitzcrank. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to to ask you um, or tell you, like, was my... Uh, it's not my idea. I, I'm, I'm sure I heard it somewhere because it's too good to not be, uh, to be an idea I had. But um, it was something I think I heard someone say when Auto Chess was first big, like the perfect fit for an Auto Chess game. That's going to make you so mad when you when you hear it because you know it's never going to happen okay do you you want do you want to hear you want to hear what it is okay here's my guess here's here's my guess yeah let, let, let's guess what, what do you think i'm talking about the perfect auto chess game that this company could make and it would be a huge hit but they're not going to do it the perfect auto chess game would be star wars hollow chess no no, no even better what okay imagine a Pokemon auto chess game. Okay. Wouldn't that, that, it, it, dude, <laughs> the, no, it, okay. Think if you think about just how Pokemon is, it fits the theme so well. You're constantly recruiting units. And as you recruit, like in, we didn't really touch on this, but in like a, at least in TFT, when you get three of a kind, they level up into another tier. And then oh, that's you, true. you can that's level true. it up to a, th yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you think about like if Pokemon function, if a Pokemon auto chess game functioned the way TFT does, it would, it would make so much sense. Cause you're like, you recruit a bunch of Charmanders and then it turns into a Charmeleon and you get a couple Charmeleons and it turns into a Charizard. Right. And there's already like, you would have to build like your, you could have like six units, right? Like a, like a Pokemon and they could, you could base your team around some sort of comp like, okay, so like you have fire, so you want more fire types, and like oh, so Charizard's a uh, uh, fire flying, right? So you want a couple flying types too, so you can get that sub comp. I think it would make, I think it'd be really fun because I think that the theme of Pokemon just just in general just would lend so well to an auto chess game. 
Like, I, I think yeah. that would be like, that'd be one of those really good uh, mobile games Nintendo would put out, right? Like, they just make a free Pokemon Auto Chess, um, sell some microtransaction skins. They, they would make so much money, dude. And I think they could do a really good job with it. Like, I don't think it would feel forced. Like, I think Star Wars would feel a little forced, right? Like, just by conventional auto chess mechanics. Like, if they did it in their own way, like, it could be cool because it could be just, you know, it's like a tactics game in a way. Yeah, but I, guess I think Pokemon I, in general. I'd more so want literally just Star Wars Hollow Chess as a game. I think that would, you know, I think we're long overdue for that. I've heard that at the, <laughs> I'm getting, you know, getting ahead of myself here. This is, we're not a Star Wars podcast, but I have heard that you can actually buy the uh, the game pieces at the, the parks, which may never reopen at this point. Maybe they will, but um, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. But yeah, uh, Pokemon Auto Chess, I mean, that does seem like it lends itself pretty well to uh the concepts and like in the lore of the pokemon world it would kind of make sense because you have more than one of each pokemon yeah right catch however many Um, it makes more sense than tft does (laughs) and like you it the lore also you know it it fits in well with having a uh, player character like you have your pokemon trainer who's throwing out Mm -hmm. all of the uh all of your pokemon uh the the auto chess pieces that's cool i mean that that is that that definitely lends itself well to the genre when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's such a that's such a perfect match. It's a shame. Damn shame. Yeah, maybe if uh, TFT, uh, you know, has legs. Um, what's unfortunate is that I don't know if the genre has legs. Like we were just talking about Dota Underlords, you know, not really performing very well um, in terms of active players. And, um, you know, I, I was personally surprised by this, but Ubisoft's uh, Might and Magic auto chess didn't take off. Um, that's a joke because who cares about the uh, Might and Magic IP enough to play a spinoff auto chess game with it? Uh, maybe I'm alone in that, but um, it seems like you're TFT... Not. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> you know, let us know in the comments if you're a hardcore Might and Magic player. Uh, Matt, what do you call the Might and Magic fandom? What do they call themselves again? Irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Uh, Yeah, my magic's always been a joke. Like, let's be real. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, You know, Funhouse has a very good series of uh, um, Might and Magic. uh, What's it called? Dark Messiah: Heroes of Might and Magic gameplay. I was watching this video last night. And I, I promise this isn't just a dumb tangent. Well, actually, I promise it is a dumb tangent. Uh, I was watching this video last <laughs> night where they uh, they play a demo disc of uh, that has Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, and, you know, it's super janky and kind of dumb. But then they play uh, Kane and Lynch on the same demo disc. And part of the show is they always go and find Rule 34 images of any game they play. And when they're looking at, oh, Rule, no. thir- when they're looking at Rule 34 images of uh, Kane and Lynch someone had uploaded a like photoshopped uh, lewd image of one of the members of Funhouse and tagged it as like Kane and Lynch and uploaded it to this rule 34 site. So on the show, when they were like looking for rule 34 of Kane and Lynch, they found rule 34 of themselves. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, pretty funny. But uh, pretty hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the uh, genre has legs because there's been these other games that have cropped up. Um, I don't know how popular the like mod that started it all, like the auto chess mod still is. But TFT is popular. 
Yeah, I would assume so because I think it was a Dota mod when Dota opened itself up to be modded um, in the recent past. And uh, then like Valve just came and scooped up their own version. I don't know if they scooped up devs from Auto Chess. I don't think they did. I think they, I think I remember there being some like talks about Valve buying Auto Chess from the devs who did it, but then them coming to an agreement um, to go their own ways and like make their own games, which probably just means what a like, huge mistake. Well, there's yeah. a standalone Auto Chess client on mobile. Um, yeah, I played that. I don't that. think and it's doing too well. I mean, I played that when Auto Chess first came out and it was decent, but when I read that there was an agreement to go their separate ways, I just imagined that Valve didn't want to pay as much as the um, Auto Chess developers wanted to get scooped oh, up yeah, internally. It was uh, huge when it came out. Yeah, um, it's a shame. It's a shame because, you know, you hate to see the little guy get stomped over, and especially now that, like, Dota Underlords doesn't have, like, the, the player base that probably point to a successful long-term game like tft does so it, that, that part is a shame that that's you hate to see that but yeah um, it's cool that the tft is still going because it's such a weird genre you know auto chess and i don't know if you know uh you know uh anything about hero clicks but when i was younger i was really into this this uh like a tabletop game called hero clicks where you got these miniatures of um like marvel and dc heroes and you place them on a hexagonal grid and like had battles with them. It was kind of, I always thought of it as like a custom chess where you placed your pieces in whatever order you wanted. Um, and then just like ran them at your opponent in, in a way you would with chess. And they all move differently and, you know, have different attacks and stuff. And auto chess kind of like scratches the itch that hero clicks had for me, but in this like childhood wish fulfillment uh, way where all the pieces, you know, move on their own, you know, like I always imagined it uh, being when I was a kid. So um, I think it's cool in that way. I always like I've always liked tactic get tactics games, and this is a like big repeatable process that you can play with your friends. Like Fire Emblem, you can't play with your friends. It's very fun and addicting, but um, like it's cool that we can hop on together and play in this you know eight person pool um, against each other, and I can get you know stomped by you. <laughs> yep <laughs> but see i i think it does have legs but i don't think it's like a new a birth of a new genre right i think it's kind of like mobas where there's going to be one or two successful ones and all the other ones that might try to jump in are going to realize that they're not going to be able to budge because the people that started it kind of or that got really popular first are going to stay in there um because uh, another one we haven't even talked about was hearthstone's uh auto chess mode which I haven't played because I think it looks it looks just odd and I don't really I kind of I'm kind of over with Hearthstone even though it's a much different game mode but I'm pretty sure that's the thing that's keeping Hearthstone going right now like if you go at least going by Twitch again um I was always surprised that Hearthstone had such big numbers cuz I would hear that the card game is in a a weird state and then I went into the stream one day and then you realize oh it's all these people playing Hearthstone Battlegrounds <laughs> that's why there's so many people watching because both of the streams are put together um so i think battlegrounds is like the most popular mode in hearthstone right now and to their credit i it, it looks interesting and there's enough different about it um to make it uh successful in its own way it's not like it's just a ripoff of tft um and it uses because it uses a lot of units from hearthstone and then they added like your, it's kind of like Dota, I guess, actually, where you would have your main hero, you would pick from uh, 
kind of like those arena, those heroes they would use in like arena run, or what is it? Run like dungeon run. Is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Not arena. Yeah. Run. It was, it wasn't a dungeon run. Yeah. Yeah. Like dungeon run where you'd go against like the random bosses or mm-hmm. you would like some of them, like you could pick a hero to use to go through it. Um, those are kind of like the people you can use and they all have like different health and whatnot. Um, I haven't tried it, but I know it's doing pretty well. So I think it's around, I think it's going to be around for a good bit, but I don't see it being like a, a huge booming genre where there's a lot of people in it. I think it's going to stay relatively small. Yeah. You know, I wonder, you know, thinking about how, um, TFT exists in the league client, but when you see it on Twitch, it's like its own thing. I wonder if Hearthstone made the decision that like maybe Hearthstone wasn't Hearthstone the game itself wasn't performing well on Twitch, but they saw an opportunity to get some more viewership with this like uh, zeitgeist game mode. So rather than rebrand Hearthstone Battlegrounds as its own thing, they would have its own Twitch slot. I wonder if that had any, anything to do with their decision. Yeah, I mean, it's prop. I don't know if it's. Uh, I guess it's more the company, but I could also see Twitch deciding because. Uh, I think it would be really rough if you lumped TFT streams into league streams, considering league usually has like over a hundred thousand people watching. Where TFT like has a lot, but it would be like ten percent of it, and it'd be hard to find a different stream in there. Um. So, but I could I could see it being the company. But there's a lot of other games like uh like Magic. Um, whenever Magic is streaming, like just the 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 channel Magic where you can view all the different streams of it, there can be three different types in there, and it's kind of annoying. Um, there's like the Magic Online client, Magic Arena, and then people just broadcasting like a camera on a table looking at cards. Like <laughs> all three of those types of streams will be in there, and it it's kind of dumb. Because, uh, like, they're they're so different. They're totally different ways of watching it in a way. Um, but at the same time, it only helps the viewer count, which I guess for a company is what they really want. So I'm not sure. Um, maybe you can find out one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's such a weird world we live in because, like you were saying, like looking at Twitch numbers isn't a like surefire way to judge a game's popularity. And frankly, I get like a little frustrated when I hear other podcasts. Like I, um, I'm going to put Kyle Bossman on blast friend of the show. Kyle Bossman. Kyle Bossman. Uh, he would frequently on the easy allies podcast, um, easy allies podcast, check them out. Very good games, journalism podcast. Uh, they, uh, he would frequently point to Twitch numbers to indicate whether a game was like still in the zeitgeist or not. And while, you know, it certainly is a metric, um, it measures, you know, popular people playing these games, not the people themselves, you know, like me, non-popular people. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting metric, but one that definitely has a big impact. Like you see games like uh, Escape from Tarkov, um, you know, absolutely blow up once they um, enabled Twitch drops. Um, I guess they were one of the first games to do that and it just absolutely blew up. You see it all, you saw it all over Twitch and it just came out of nowhere. I feel like PUBG was the same kind of deal. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting world we live in where, um, Twitch is such a big metric when it, when it comes to games, especially determining their longevity. But, um, 
I mean, that also speaks to like a game like TFT is very watchable. Like, even though I die very early, frequently in the game, um, I can still go and watch like you or other players play. And because it's so tactical, it feels like you're kind of watching a um, like a sports game where like even though you're not in control, you know, you can see the strategies that people are um, people are using and it all the action takes place slow enough where you can like kind of armchair general like, oh, you know, I totally wouldn't have done that. Are you kidding me? Why is he using that? Like, why is he why did he place that unit there? So, you know, it's it's fun to watch, too, which I think also speaks to the, the genre's longevity. Yeah. And like what's cool about like auto chess and even card games, they kind of both have this uh, set up on Twitch where since they're very low, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, that the streamer doesn't have to be looking at the screen nonstop uh, to, to play and so they can interact more, right? Like mm-hmm. you make a couple moves and you sit and wait for uh, either the game to continue in TFT case or in like Magic or Hearthstone, um, you wait for your opponent to do something. And a lot of games like that, I think streams are really nice because you can actually, like a streamer could go over what they're thinking, why they're making their decisions, or they can just chill and talk to chat, uh, answer some questions, maybe go over what they're doing a little bit. Like you see both kind of in that space. And I think that's why a lot of people watch them because it's a, like, it's a good way to one, learn a bit about the game, but it's also like just kind of relaxing. And if you like the streamer and you're just kind of there for their personality in the first place, you get it nonstop. Unlike in yeah. FPS where I feel like, uh, you know, it's a lot harder for someone to come across in, in that same manner because it's usually it would just be like in downtimes, which are way less frequent. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I would say like hooked me on the game or I would say endeared me to the game quite a bit um, over this past weekend. Um, I played TFT with you for like most of this past Saturday and also at the same time got like so much done around my apartment. Um, whereas if I were, if we were playing Valorant all day, absolutely none of that would have been done. And I just, you know, would have either put it off or been up late, you know, doing, you know, dumb chores, but you know, but with playing TFT between, uh, you know, between laying my guys down, laying my, my, uh, what do you call them? Auto chess pieces? Like, what do you call these units? Yeah. Laying my, laying my units down after, after I lay them down, you know, there's a whole, you know, 30 seconds to a minute um, between laying them down and uh, the next round where you have to, you know, re-strategize by pieces. So I found myself able to go and like, I cleaned my bathroom. I did the dishes. I did my laundry. Um, and all while I was, you know, chilling with my boy playing some games. So that was a cool part about this game where, you know, if we were playing the game, we usually play Valorant together. That wouldn't have been the case. So it's it's cool. Like it, it feels it's a lot less stressful than other competitive games, while also like commanding the same kind of depth that um, you know makes you want to keep coming back and get better um, at these types of games. Yeah, no, they're cool. I and then there's a like I've always had kind of a I don't know preference towards games like that where. There is a lot of downtime because it's nice because you can also like if you're not hanging out with somebody, uh, it's it's nice because you can, you know, throw on a TV show or some YouTube videos while you're playing and you can have your attention on both. Um, that's what I would do a lot when I was when I was really hooked on TFT. I'd have that and then I would have some sort of like tune out series going on the side 
Um, those games are really nice. You, yeah, you just feel like you get so much done because <laughs> you can use all that downtime for other great things. So it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, you know, we're definitely late to the party with talking about this, but you know, it seems like the game still has legs. So you know, this is some, this is something I definitely you know be interested in talking about in the future as you know I start playing more and learning more um, and learning different strats and whatnot. Um, and I imagine you'll still be playing it as well. So you know, to our listeners, this might be a uh, a recurring kind of uh, point of discussion for us, almost like a segment. Uh, yeah, well, we are now a segment podcast where each podcast really is a segment. Um, but, you know, rather than the, you know, fun segment specific songs, uh, tunes that we had before, we bookend our podcast with, uh, at the beginning, we have, uh, a song, uh, and at the end, we <laughs> end the podcast with a theme song. No, no, <laughs> we don't end that way. We, I don't know why you got it in your head that we end that way. We've never ended that way. <laughs> um, you know, we could though. We, we, could. we could, we could, but we're, but we're not. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this is, you know, really quite awkward, but um, besides that, this has been the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm your co-host August Meyer. August say goodnight. Dobre vietur. Matthew, my uh, co-host Matthew Rawlings, uh, say goodnight. Uh, Good night. Oh, I meant in Polish, but you know, if you don't want to, that's oh, fine. Um, I don't even know how to do a Polish accent. I, I don't even make a insensitive, <laughs> insensitive sound for this. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, you know, thank you, Matt, for not being insensitive because this is the Motion Pixels podcast and theme song. I'm finished. <laughs> i don't know why you started doing that like where did it's we've a never bit, done Matt. that it's a we've bit. never no i don't like these bits i don't like these bits at all because matt, the point okay listen to me matt you know are you listening the I'm point, not. my favorite my favorite kinds of bits are the bits that you don't like what makes a bit funny to me is that you don't find it funny i don't like that <laughs> I don't like it. And that's why we work, Matt. And that's why we work. <laughs> <laughs>